0: It's Wednesday, October 16th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. The U.S. troop withdrawal from Syria is creating a power vacuum. And who's filling it? The Russian and Syrian militaries. They've got a history, and that makes some people really nervous. Meanwhile, the U.S. Congress is stepping in to give support to pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. And one unexpected reason why it's worth reviewing your bank transactions. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by John Hancock. Skim This helps you understand the news today. John Hancock can help you plan for tomorrow. The most complicated story today is about what's going on in Syria. We've talked a lot about President Trump's decision last week to pull U.S. troops out of northern Syria, effectively giving Turkey the go-ahead to attack the Kurds in that area. Those Kurds had been major U.S. allies in the fight against ISIS, but now they're coming under attack. It's been a mess, and criticism of Trump's decision came up a lot at last night's Democratic primary debate. It makes our troops and the world a much more dangerous place. Now you tell me, what country in the world... We'll trust the word of the president of the United States. And you know who the winner is in this? There are four. Russia, Iran, Assad, and ISIS. Whatever you think of Trump's decision, it appears to be having a clear effect, creating a vacuum for other power players to swoop on in. So today we're going to get into what's happened in the last few days in Syria, the history of Russia and Syria's relationship, and what's next for the Kurds. Let's get into it. Starting with what happened earlier this week. As Heidi Klum says, one day you're in, and the next day, you're out. Earlier this month, the U.S. announced it was getting out of Northern Syria. And some of the camps U.S. troops had recently called home didn't stay empty for long. Yesterday, the Russian government announced its army was now patrolling Northern Syria. And a journalist traveling with the Russians posted a video from the inside of one of the old U.S. camps. He's saying, quote, we're at the U.S. base in Manbij. Only yesterday morning they were still here, and today we are here. Some people say Russian President Vladimir Putin is on a victory lap of the Middle East. As Russian troops were fanning out in Syria, Putin was taking meetings in Saudi Arabia and in the United Arab Emirates. For a guy who's been trying to gain influence in the Middle East for a while, the pieces might be finally coming together. Now that US troops are pulling out, Russia is swooping in. So is Russia's ally, the Syrian government, which is gaining territory it hasn't been able to touch for years. Before we go any further, it's worth remembering Russia and Syria's relationship goes back to the disco days, 1971. That's when Russia started operating a military base in Tartus on the Mediterranean coast of Syria. It hadn't been used that much until around 2015, when Syria's civil war was raging and Russia stepped in. See, Russia's had a long-standing relationship with Syria's ruling family, the Assads, who've run things for almost 50 years, around the same time that Russia set up shop there. In 2015, during Syria's civil war, Russia started airstrikes in Syria. They said to target ISIS fighters, But some towns hit were filled with rebels fighting President Bashar al-Assad. And that military intervention is credited with changing the direction of the civil war in Assad's favor. So, Russia's made moves in Syria's civil war already. And now, with the U.S. getting out of the way, Russia looks to be taking another shot at exerting influence in the region and helping out Assad in the process. So, what's the plan moving forward? Well, the Kurds have been looking around and found new friends, i.e., the Russians and the Syrians. Over the weekend, both the Russian and Syrian governments agreed to help the Kurds out. They're sending troops to Syria's northern border to try and hold Turkish fighters back. For the Syrians, this brings Assad closer to retaking parts of Syria he'd lost during the civil war. And for the Russians, it's another way to exert influence. As for the Kurds, They probably would have preferred if the U.S. stayed and protected the land they'd captured from ISIS. But taking help from Assad beats getting attacked by Turkey. So what's the skim? After the withdrawal of U.S. troops from parts of Syria, Russian and Syrian troops are quickly taking their place. And this whole withdrawal plan was criticized a lot at last night's Dem debate. There are some signs the Trump administration might be hearing those concerns. VP Mike Pence and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo are heading to Turkey to push for an immediate ceasefire to prevent chaos in Syria. Even as Turkey's president says, fat chance. But big picture, Trump doesn't seem to be second guessing his big Syria move, or what it means for the Kurds. At the White House today, he said the Kurds were no angels, and that the conflict in Syria is better left to someone else. Frankly, if Russia is going to help in protecting the Kurds, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. The future of Syria isn't the only foreign policy issue that U.S. politicians are getting involved in. Coming up, we'll check in on how Congress is giving a boost to pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. After the break. You're busy at work, you're busy at home, and you're busy trying to keep up with the world. At Skim This, we help you with that last part. John Hancock can help you with everything else. Because life can get so busy, you forget to plan for all the things you want in the future. Think buying a home or paying off that mortgage, starting a family, and investing for retirement. Seem like a lot? We get it. So does John Hancock. They can help you figure out your financial goals and stick to them. You can even talk to a financial advisor. So take a break and invest some time in future you. They'll thank you for it. Go to theskim.com forward slash future to learn more. Carrie Lam, the chief executive of Hong Kong, is having the mondayest Wednesday ever. As pro-democracy lawmakers drowned out what was basically her State of the Union speech. After being interrupted once, she tried again 20 minutes later, only to be disrupted again, forcing her to leave the legislative chamber and finish the speech in a video. And what she had to say didn't calm tensions. After more than four months of sometimes violent pro-democracy protests, Lam made it clear she's not making any concessions like investigating violence by police. She also said any acts supporting Hong Kong's independence from China or that jeopardize China's sovereignty over Hong Kong would, quote, not be tolerated. But now the intensity and dysfunction of the situation in Hong Kong has the U.S. House of Representatives stepping in and passing bills to try and support the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong. Several of those bills passed yesterday. One of them was the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. It basically says that every year, the U.S. has to check that Hong Kong is independent enough from China in order for Hong Kong to keep its special trading status with the U.S. That's important because that trade relationship has helped Hong Kong become a global business hub and meant U.S. tariffs on China don't apply to Hong Kong. Another bill passed by the House was the Protect Hong Kong Act, which bans the U.S. from exporting supplies for crowd control, like tear gas or rubber bullets, which Hong Kong's police have been using against protesters. Here was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi yesterday. Democrats and Republicans in the House and in the Senate stand united with the people of Hong Kong. If America does not speak out for human rights in China because of commercial interest, then we lose all moral authority to speak out for human rights any place in the world. China's response to these U.S. bills has been really negative. Beijing is threatening to fight back and says if these bills actually become law, it would damage the China-U.S. relationship. TBD on if that will actually happen. There's reportedly strong bipartisan support for the bills in the Senate. But the White House would also need to sign off on legislation that China hates right in the middle of an already tricky trade war so we'll have to see if Trump wants to throw yet another wrench into those negotiations. You may be hearing a lot lately about a new book called Catch and Kill. It's by reporter Ronan Farrow. He helped break the Harvey Weinstein sexual misconduct story a couple of years ago. His new book is about that. But more specifically, it's about the difficulties he encountered while reporting on that story, including what he says was pressure from his bosses at NBC News to stop working on it. The president of NBC News says they supported Pharaoh's Weinstein reporting for seven months, but that the story didn't meet their standards at the time. And Pharaoh says he felt pressure in other ways, too, while reporting on that story about the powerful Hollywood producer. He talked about that with The Skim earlier today. I'm looking over my shoulder a lot. I'm seeing the same guys over and over again. I'm seeing the same car outside of my apartment. Sources are telling me to get a gun. I finally move out of my apartment into a friend's place, and I wonder if I'm going crazy at first. But in this book, I'm also able to document there were Russian spies following me who were subcontractors for a firm run by former Mossad agents out of Israel. This is stranger than fiction, but it's true, it happened. We talked to Farrow about a lot of the headlines coming out about his book as part of our Sip and Skim video series. Keep an eye out for more from that chat in your daily skim and on Instagram. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from your bank account. See, this week in London, this guy named Tim Cameron lost his wallet. And someone found it, but couldn't tell whose it was. So this good Samaritan named Simon got creative. And by using bank account info left in the wallet, he transferred a few cents to its owner, Tim. And he used the memo field to type a message, starting with, hi, I found your, then he ran out of space. So Simon sent another transfer to write out wallet in the road. You get the idea. Eventually, he left his contact details asking Tim to reach out. So our story ends with Tim getting his wallet back and Simon getting a nice bottle of wine. Fancy that. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we want to let you know about a new episode from our other podcast, Skim from the Couch. In this week's show, our co-founders and CEOs, Carly and Danielle, sat down with actress and producer Brittany Snow to talk about her new Fox show, Almost Family, and about what she does to stay motivated in her career. Listen to this new episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.